0: It's funny, like, because we've been struggling with how to, how to end this, right? Yeah. And so,
1: because we were like hopeful that things would change and they would go a different way, I was hopeful. I'm not. Like, I have zero hope.
0: You have zero hope. Zero. Like, zero. Hope I, for what? Like, you
1: know. That there will ever be a place where you and I could be in like the same area and everybody be okay with it? Because I think that there is a lot of people, especially now, people are really free and liberal and saying what they want and you know they don't care they do and talk to people any kind of way um and so I don't have hope that there will be a time that like my kids and your kids could just hang out and everybody be okay with it like there was a time I thought that that would happen. Like I used to really be that kid that was hopeful because I was raised by mixed. So like, you're like, oh, I got black people, I got white people. And I've seen some of my own white people that can't be family anymore. We can't associate. We don't have anything to talk about.
0: Welcome to Maddie Speaks. My name is Kevin Maurer, director of community engagement for the Cape Fear Collective. I have spent my entire career telling stories, but nothing is a substitute for the lived experience. That's why when Maddie, an African-American woman living with her family in New Hanover County, was willing to tell her story, I jumped at the chance. On paper, Maddie's middle class, she works in healthcare, and her husband's a public servant. But as we talked, you heard the reality of her every day, from just making rent to overcoming systemic racism, and then the pandemic hit. This is a rare unvarnished glimpse at one life. I wish Maddie's story was unique, but keep in mind her struggles are more common than we'd like to admit, and empathy is our best tool for understanding. On this episode, we talk about how Maddie feels zero hope for change, but then she tells the story about how she got this gift and how important it was to her, but also how important it was for people to reach back and help one another. And by the end, we, we kind of agree that the system can change. We're going to have to continue to have patience. As for Maddie Speaks, this is our last episode. We both agreed we've kind of taken this idea as far as we can. I'm proud of what we started, and I'm grateful to Maddie for having the courage to share her story with me. So for now, enjoy the rest of the episode. Um, so, I mean, all this upheaval, like people, if you look at the 60s, there was mass upheaval, but it ended up becoming, you know, the Civil Rights Movement and then, you know, Civil Rights Act. Something happened. But did,
1: what happened?
0: That's the question, though. Because,
1: I mean, what's different?
0: That's a good argument. I mean, some things have
1: I can go to the same movie theater as you that's I can go eat in the same restaurant as you okay
0: that's a considerable step from what it was
1: yes and I don't mean to sound so callous. I really don't but when I think about how much when we first started this thing I talked about how much I moved my kids to where they were so they could go to school now I have to look at the demographic of the school they're in right Mm -hmm. because now I have to really consider is this worth it like is your getting a quote-unquote better education at this school (laughs) Is it worth it? The pandemic has made us all be at home so like I could enroll my kid at the open enrollment school and they could go to school through there and still be at home virtual learning. Because I fear. I look at a lot of people like this now. If something happened to one of my kids, would you save
0: them? That's how you measure different people. And it sounds heavy. Yeah, a little bit.
1: But let me explain why. Because there are people that speak so freely now that you realize, like, do you even like, just because my skin is darker than yours, and let's not forget, the white women go to the salon and tan all the time, so you're trying to get to a color like mine, but just because my skin is darker than yours, where are you at? Like, I'm telling you, there are people where I've read things and I'm like, would they even save a black kid if there was nobody else around (laughs) and this kid fell off a bike? Let's not even say save their life. Kid falls off a bike. Are you going to help them? And I think that there are truly still a crazy amount of people who wouldn't. And I feel like even anybody listening to this right now is probably like, God, she's gotten callous since the beginning of this. But I'm at a point now where I can't raise my kids to be like, you, you go out there and you just do this and everybody will like you because of it. I can't. That's not true. People are going to hate you because of the way you look. They're never going to find out how smart you are. They're never going to find out anything about you. And where we live, that is dictated very heavily. The fact people argued about monuments coming down the way they did.
0: Mm. yeah
1: Monuments that stood for something so vile and disgusting. And people were like, mind blown at how that could be offensive. That was where I started being like, okay, so you don't even see past your front doorstep. You don't want to either. Like, I think having a conversation with you, I think you care. I think you genuinely care. I think that you genuinely want to see something different. But not many people in this area feel like that.
0: I want to, something I talked about today uh, with a colleague at lunch, um, I want to see the system change. I think we've got a system in place now that has obstacles that are stopping people from reaching. I think we to truly get an equitable system, we need to replace the system we have. You can't just replace the gears, right? But how you get a system change like that with people who are in power and that's in the old system is, is the rub, right? Like The old system power brokers are not going to give up the system. How have the protests and what you've seen, like, nationally as well as here, have they had any impact on your life?
1: Yes, but I also am like, so what are we doing, like, beyond the protest? Like, I'm a big person for not wasting my breath and my time. And I don't want to feel like (laughs) I'm—that sounds so—the people that are doing protests are wasting breath and time. But, you know, when— the, It was after George Floyd. There were protests real heavy here in Wilmington. And I watched people that I knew on the street, like, getting milk dumped on them and out there fighting. And these are white people that I know who I know genuinely their heart, like, is hurt with their black people, right? Like, they're hurting because they just believe in this rainbows and sunshine world and I never went even with the friends that I saw out there I never went because I was just like but what happens after like where are we going what are we marching like where are we marching how are we marching what are we saying what is the point is everybody on the same page and I think that I got thrown off when there were Um, there were some people that had come from another town to come here and protest, but they were like really trying to start chaotic stuff. But then there were like people who genuinely were here to like demonstrate and um, really want to see change, but it's just, where do you go? Who do you get to listen? And I think whenever this is, you know, something I've been big on is it's, I love seeing people protest, especially white people. But white people have a voice that's louder than mine, no matter how much I yell and scream, no matter how much of a spectacle I make of myself. White people always I won't say will always because I would like to have hope again. But right now, white people have such a loud voice and I feel like some people sit on it and it's. This is one time where I'm like, all right, white people, this is a moment for you to stand up. This is and I'm I'm seeing it. I'm not going to say I'm not seeing it. But it's just that question of where does it go next?
0: What, what would give you hope again? God, I don't know. Like what what like, change do you think we need to see coming out of this? Because I don't disagree. I think the protests have, have, have been effective in, in raising the awareness level. But now I think the platform has been built. Now you got to go somewhere. Where are we going right. to take this awareness?
1: And I think the thing... Let me even interject this in here, too. I think if there's a white person that is listening by chance that is like... Uh, you know, why are they protesting and things like that? And George Floyd was a criminal. And I'm like, but no, there are people who are not seeing that the protests are bigger than just George Floyd. They're bigger than just Breonna Taylor. They're people that have been killed for years, right? Like, these protests are just people crying like the uprising is happening and you want to hope that's what it is but i just i don't know and i don't know what would give me hope i want my kids to feel safe
0: what about you know we were talking earlier about you know the civil rights movement and that was a that was a step it wasn't the final step what do you think the next step could be though if we if we we had a magic wand and said all right we're going to make another leap towards progress towards a uh, 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 like the future you were talking about, right? Well, what do you think the next thing has to be? Like, is it, where do you think the reform we could, would needs to be focused? Is it equi- Is it housing? Is it jobs? Is it education? I think it's, what is it, it
1: sounds so like, cliche, but it's just everything. Like, right. if we don't start looking at the big picture, black kids are suspended at like, way higher rates.
0: Yeah, and the the, the stats prove it out.
1: Like, that, nobody can argue that. Like, mm-hmm. you can't they are suspended at way higher rates.
0: So the data around disparities in school discipline is pretty stark. In Hunnamer County, black students are 5.1 times as likely to be suspended as white students, according to 2018 uh, civil rights data that was released by the U.S. Department of Education to ProPublica. Now in the same data set, black students uh, made up about 58% of expulsions. So you're asking like, why is that? Well, There's been a lot of studies on this, and a recent one in 2019 by the University of California Berkeley took 85 principals and assistant principals and gave them hypothetical problems where a student was misbehaving in class, Um, and then they referred to them by a teacher. In some cases, the discipline issues were uh, first offenses, and others, they were second offenses. And bottom line is what they found was black middle school and high school students boys in particular, were more likely to be seen as troublemakers and their misbehavior more severe than white students. And this disparity has a really a, a, a kind of a massive ripple effect because students who have been suspended from school often will fall behind, in some of, and especially in key metrics like reading skills, and this means that they're less likely to graduate from high school and enter college.
1: Kid you not, whenever the kids were getting ready to go back to school this year, obviously everybody's virtual. I said, well, you know what? At least I know some kids that get suspended every year because they might go to school and they're cranky because they haven't eaten in three days. And nobody asked them if they were hungry. Those kids aren't getting suspended right now. Like, my heart was happy for that. I'm like, these kids might not have ever had a year where they started school and they get suspended in the first nine weeks. That's terrible. Like, <laughs> that is terrible to think about.
0: I share your same standing at the base of this mountain and trying to figure out how to climb it. I, I share your same sort of...
1: And the truth is, it's like you're asking me. Black people are tired of trying to climb mountains.
0: Right, let, me, let me throw this because <laughs> that's I love what you said it. So I said this in a meeting a couple weeks ago. And it was met with like a, kind of a, like a bobble. You know, like people were like, mm-hmm. I don't know. In order for, for this country to tackle racism, it can't be just a black problem. It's not the black community's fault or responsibility to fix it. It has to be an American problem. It has to be something that the white and black community tackle, right? So what can the white community, in your mind, do do better at tackling this problem?
1: That's where you use your voice. Okay. Like, that's where I really feel like you use your voice. There are white friends. I saw something on Facebook and it said, um, "My, I know my white friends who are fighting this fight with me are tired too. Like, right? Like, but your voice, even though you're tired, your voice still... Is louder than mine. Um, I, when you talk about jobs and housing and all of it, it's something that in the spot in my heart that does have the teeny tiny little drip drop of hope, you know, you hope one day that we can all live in the same neighborhood, right? So like you hear people talk, um, I had a conversation with some friends recently and they were talking about affordable housing and how people don't want it around them because when you hear affordable housing for whatever reason, people automatically hear black, black people. So the the value of my home is going to diminish. And I'm like, that is the stuff that you're just like, seriously? like Because people want to live in an area and be able to afford it and flourish the same as you who comes from generational wealth because your family left money from a time when this country was being built on Black people's backs. Let's be honest. (laughs) That generational wealth has trickled down to you. Black people don't have that.
0: A house is the clearest path to wealth in America. But looking at the Cape Fear region, access to that wealth depends on the color of your skin. You know, we launched the Racial Equity Dashboard uh, earlier this year to expose structural racism in our system. So nonprofits, advocates, and policymakers uh, can align these on these insights uh, with their existing programs and identify kind of new interventions. One of the areas that we studied was home ownership. Uh, and here are a couple of things we learned from the data that we analyzed. In the Cape Fear region, there is a relationship between the percentage of the population that is white and the median home value. When a census tract reaches 75% white, home values rise at an exponential rate. Let that sink in there for a second. Also, across all six counties in the Cape Fear region, white households earn a higher median income than the black or Hispanic households. And finally, home ownership is not equally distributed. The majority of census tracts in the region have between 50 to 75% of the Hispanic population living in rented homes. So if home ownership equals wealth, we need to find a way to make sure everyone has access to that wealth through a home.
1: Like, I'm gonna give you a scenario and I don't know if he knows about my gift, um, but I had, I won't say I had a mental breakdown, but I definitely had two good mental days that I had to lay in bed. Um, and Susie had sent me a message and was like, hey, I got to come by your house Tuesday night at six. And I was like, OK, so Tuesday comes. She says, I'm coming by like, just be prepared. And I'm like, look, I haven't been well for two days. I don't have my wig on. This is literal text messages. I don't have my wig on. I'm not dressed. And she was like, OK, well, there's a surprise coming and I'm not bringing it. So if you're cool, I'm cool. And I was like, well, let me get up, and put my wig on, put some clothes on. I'm gonna really try not to get emotional because this thing hits me in my gut. I walk outside, Susie tells me that my surprise is here, but I gotta go outside. I'm thinking it's COVID, right? Like we need to go outside because ain't nobody coming to my house that I don't know. I see a man that I've never met and a man that I only met one time. And the man that I met one time was 10 months prior to this. We talked for maybe 10, 15 minutes at a, um, we've talked about Camp Schreiber before. It was a Camp Schreiber fundraiser. And the man I didn't know said, hey, I'm gonna keep this short. Uh, My friend over here told me about you. So me and my wife are going to give you this 2016 Chevy Suburban. Paid for. I proceeded to lose it for so many reasons. Now, yes, this is a white guy and he and I. Talked And, you know, and then the friend that I had, the person I had met 10 months prior was like, I can't give you a car, but here's a thousand dollar check to cover the transfer of the tags and the title to your name. And in that moment, I remember that night I looked at my husband and I said, we went from only having debt to now we have an asset. I was like, I don't even know what the hell to do with this. (laughs) Like literally sat in the car for three and a half hours, wasn't on, didn't drive it. I just sat and it was so much more than a car, it was one of those moments where, one, I had faith in humanity at that time. <laughs> like, these are people, and he didn't want anything from me. He didn't know me, he didn't know my family. All he had heard was that I spoke at an event and I was a good person. <laughs> like, it's all he knew about me. Gave me a truck, like it's a whole SUV that like my whole family can fit in. That kind of stuff. Reaching down and you help somebody, right? So like when you ask me what gives hope, when you see moments of that, Mm -hmm. he could have gave me a 1995 car. It would have meant the same to me. When you reach back and you help people, that's where the confusion comes in is we think we're only supposed to help our kind. We're not helping across borders. Like We're not breaking this divider that's between us. And in that moment, And when I tell you I lost it, like I was hollering and screaming all over my parking lot. Um, And it was just this solid moment. I mean, I tell you all the time I'm convicted in my faith and I believe it was God winking at me like, hey, I got you. I got this. Just hang tight. But that kind of stuff, like that's the kind. And and no, I'm not saying that people need to go buy sixty thousand dollars cars and just give them away. That is not what I'm saying. Right. But if you know your neighbor just had surgery, buy your neighbor groceries. doesn't matter if they're black or white. Mm -hmm. Just be a decent human being.
0: Just be a decent human being might be the the first step. Because then you're seeing everybody's the same.
1: Right. Like, as a white man, how do you fix it? Like, how do we take the next step?
0: I, I struggle the same way you do. I, I try to do little things, little victories. I, I keep doing the work we're doing at the, at the K-Free Board. We, we have this racial equity dashboard that's trying to put some statistics behind the system to say, hey, you, may, you cannot deny that, that a system exists because here are the stats that show you it does. Right. And I'm trying the best I can to tell the stories around those statistics. It's interesting, early, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned uh, home values, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, once a neighborhood in the K-Free region reaches 75% white, the home values exponentially grow. I mean there are statistics that show that there is a, s- a systemic racism it exists the statistics show it. just like you were saying the stat you sh- uh, about uh discipline in schools stats show that that happens that's yeah. a systemic racism problem but the problem is that this thing is so entrenched in our society that where i struggle is how do we break it out and replace it and what do we replace it with where everybody will buy in Or do we not even worry about that and say, here's the new system, just like you do? I
1: definitely think it's going to have to be something like that because you're not going to ever get everybody to buy it. Because especially here, we live in the Bible belt, Mm -hmm. like Bible thumping. I'm going to use Jesus to make you feel bad about yourself. And that's the truth. And I say, I believe in God and I do, and I have a strong faith. And, but I also don't, I use God to convict me, not you. (laughs) Like That's how I operate. Um, And living here, it is, everybody has an opinion about what I do. It's not my business. You know, people will be like, well, how do you, what do you think about gay people? And I'm like, that's between them and God. It ain't got nothing to do with me. And I think that because we have this old school mindset, especially in the good old Southern white community that we have here, there are some things that are just going to be passed down and passed down and passed down until that one person gets a hold of it. And decides to change it but right now i don't think you're gonna have everybody buy into anything
0: no we can't we can't agree on anything Mm -mm. Um,
1: this country is so divided right now like it is like divided divided
0: i don't know how to fix that i i don't you know i I don't know
1: like i almost feel like people don't even want to work together
0: I don't. I don't think they do. I, really, I don't. They I really don't. I mean, I. I mean, I think you said it earlier that I don't think the fight ever stopped, and I don't think it will. I. I. I think we can slowly though change this. this system a little bit. Um,
1: I hope so. I mean, I guess that's me having hope.
0: Yeah, because you are doing it too, though. I mean, you agreed to do this. Yeah. That's the first step. This has yeah. led us some doors opening and some, some things that you could get to. I mean, the only thing is, I think we're, we live in an impatient society. and We want it done yesterday.
1: Oh, yeah. That too. But I think it's hard to not want it done yesterday when it was supposed to be done yesterday.
0: I don't disagree with
1: that. <laughs> like, I think, it's, I think it's hard when 60 years ago this was supposed to be over with. And it's not.
0: For more information, visit us on capefearcollective.org and follow the movement on social media. Don't forget to subscribe wherever podcasts are available.